Hey guys, it's Ed. I'm coming to you live from the Junk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And, <clears throat> excuse me, there are, uh, it, this has just been a dizzying day of gossip. Um, I We're going to start with Josie Smollett in just a couple seconds. Um, but there's some R. Kelly news coming at the end of the show, which is going to, so we're going to have two big stories today. I hope you're ready for that, because I'm not. Um, in addition to that, there is our true crime segment, which as always is just a dizzying um, web of, I don't even know what to be honest. Um, so sit back, relax, and let's get this party started. So all week we've been talking about Jesse Smollett. And last night, Will and I did a recap as well as adding in some new information as it was coming out. So, today, um, the day started by, with Empire Producers and Fox saying that Jesse Smollett is being cut from the um, final two episodes of season five. And then... So that that's big news on in a in a in and of itself. <laughs> I, I'm so shocked by this big news. I can't speak. Um, but so that's big news, um, and we're gonna unpack that in a second. But the other part of the story is Jesse has now come out and said that he has a drug problem. Dun dun dun. So let's unpack this a little bit here. Um, Fox has, Fox and producers of Empire have actually really stood by Jesse, even when it looked like he was about to be indicted, um, on felony charges of filing a false police report, and all of that. Um, as recently as yesterday, they said that Jesse's been nothing but professional on the set. Um, he, right after he was indicted... Or arraigned, I'm sorry. Let me get my legal terminology correct here. Right after he was arraigned, he um, he went to the Empire set, was greeted with hugs and love and support. And then today we find out that he's being cut from the final two episodes. Now, people are going to say that this means nothing, that, you know, they're just letting him face his legal woes and work out a plan with his attorneys. This is a big deal. Because technically they could be in breach of contract. Now, I'm not saying that they are, and I'm not even saying that Jesse's going to do this. But theoretically speaking, them cutting him out, he's not he's been arraigned um and charged, but he's not been Um, he's not been, um, convicted yet. So, the fact that they're cutting him out of the episodes is kind of a, it's kind of a, um, a legal thing where I'm not sure what's exactly going to happen. But let's let's backtrack now and go back to the drug thing. So I was talking to my best friend earlier, and I said, you know, I bet, you know, I've been reading the gossip. This is what he's going to do. He is going to claim that he has a drug problem, and then he's going to say that this was a drug deal that went bad, and that's the reason why the brother slipped and said that he paid them for the attack. And no sooner than I said that, than it came out that Jesse Smollett admitted to having an untreated drug problem. But then he goes one step further, and it was almost like he was reading my mind and said, um, one of the brothers was his drug dealer, um, this was a drug deal that went bad, and they beat him up. But they didn't want to damage his face because they knew um, that he was due on set. And if 
And if flying gossip is to be believed, and it is, pretty soon we're going to be hearing from his um, siblings that uh, Jesse's been out of control for some time now, and, you know, it's really affected them, and they, you know, they were hoping that this wasn't what the, what this was. All of this is not... It, the the likelihood of this all being true is very slim. What I think Jesse is trying to do here is create doubt. If it if this is the latest twist in this case, then he didn't technically um, file a false police report in the um, in Chicago's case falls apart because he really was attacked. Now, he could be charged with a misdemeanor or something along the lines of lying to the police about not knowing who did it. But there's no way they're going to charge him with a, with a drug charge because there was no drugs found on him. And given the history of the brothers, the you know, remember we talked about um, one of them being arrested for attempted murder and all sorts of other various charges... So then this whole thing kind of goes up. The only thing that will remain tarnished is, did he lie about this being a hate crime? Um, Some people are starting to debate that a little bit. We don't know um, how the brothers feel about gays. We know that they're black, obviously. But, But it could still be a hate crime. If they were yelling homophobic things, and they really could have yelled, this is MAGA country, we don't know. You know, maybe they were paid to do that. So we're going to, obviously we're going to stay on top of the story as it develops. I will have all the latest details for you as soon as they become available. And for right now, I'm going to go and I will be right back. And we have some breaking news. Um, this is breaking just now. TV Line is the first to report it. But Empire producers, including Lee Daniels, are considering recasting the role of Jamal Lyon for season six, if there is a season six. Um, Fox is not yet to renew Empire for um, next season, though it is a pretty much a foregone conclusion that the show will be back, um, even if it is for a final season. Um, Jamal Lyon, of course, is, has been played by Jesse Smollett since the beginning of the series their official stance right now is they're waiting to see what happens with the courts and um, the other important part of this story is um, to keep in mind that any recast that happens uh, would be for season 6 Jamal has been written out of the rest of season 5 again this is breaking news um Lee Daniels and Empire producers are seriously considering recasting Jamal Lyon, um, which is Jesse Smollett's part. Will they go through with that? Probably not. Um, I think Jesse has made too much of an impact on the show. Either they'll write Jamal off for a while... They'll keep Jesse and reduce him to recurring. Or possibly, um, possibly they will, but I think that's an outside. Even though it seems to be the favor of Lee Daniels at this point, I don't see anyone who can step in and fill in for Jesse. Um, I'm going to go. I'll be right back. This is breaking news. And I am back. <coughs> Excuse me. So, okay. So I came out years and years and years ago. We're not going to talk about how many, but just years and years ago. Uh, even though my dad jokes that when I was born, doctors, I, when, when I was born, I had a trail of a rainbow trail behind me. And when the doctor spanked me, I said, harder daddy. Clearly, that's not true. Okay, maybe it is. 
<laughs> this is why Will wants me to have production notes so he can cut those kind of jokes. But no. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um, I have a feeling he's going to institute a new recording without him around rule pretty soon because I'm pretty sure he listens to these and is like oh my god like I, I'm I'm really waiting to hear about the Miranda Lambert um, segment when I just went off the rails <laughs> Anyway, so I came out, and I didn't come out at a time when it was really accepted. It wasn't as condoned or dangerous for me as it was for other people, but it wasn't exactly like everyone in my class was gay. Um, and Ellen Page is talking now about her experiences. She says that in 2007, right after Juno came out, she was basically told to stay in the closet and not to dike it up. Those are not her words. Those are my words. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure when Will makes his notes on this episode, I'm going to I'm I'm going to hear about it. Um. Anyway, so she she's talking about how um, other actors and executives really forced her. Um, to stay in the closet and to, for lack of a better way of saying this, be a good girl. And it's, it's really disheartening that in Hollywood, would you know, we, the, all these Hollywood stars are like, oh my god, be yourself, be yourself. But then they're telling these actresses and these actors that if they come out as gay, they're not going to have a career. What the actual fuck? Like, and I, you know, I'm not saying that it's all of Hollywood because obviously Neil Patrick Harris, uh, Adam Lambert, uh, Ellen Page herself. (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm missing someone. But, you know, there are um, actors who are gay and who who have come out and have had very successful careers. Um, a lot of the younger generation don't give a fuck. Yesterday, or in the last episode, we were talking about Miley Cyrus. Miley is one of the top-selling female artists around right now. Even her flops are not actual flops. Um, when, when you compare her sales to other people's that are considered a hit... Um, she outsells them. I believe she's she outsold Cardi B. Um, she's outsold almost everyone except for maybe Taylor Swift. Um, and she and as we talked about yesterday, she identifies as a queer um a queer person. So, um, but here's what Ellen Page had to say. Uh not group me. <laughs> oh, only on, only on drunk gossip do you... Do I go to read a quote and you get group me? Um, anyways, Ellen said, I was distinctly told by people in the industry when I started to become known, people cannot know you're gay. And I was pressured, forced in many cases, to wear dresses and heels for events and photo shoots, as if lesbians... Don't wear dresses and heels. Um, and then after that she said, but I will never let anyone put me in anything I feel uncomfortable in it ever again. Um, and she says, I remember being in my 20s and really believing it was impossible for me to come out. But over time with more representation, hearts and minds have changed. It doesn't happen quickly enough. And it hasn't happened enough, particularly for the most marginalized in the community. But things have gotten better. And she's right. Things have gotten better, thankfully. Um, I'm very proud to be part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and how 
yes, there's some infighting, yes, there's some <clears throat> bickering back and forth, but when push comes to shove, we really stand up for one another. And I think that's what's really important here. And I'm going to go, and I will be right back. And I am back. So you guys have to know this about me. Um, and some of you already do. Um, I know Mandy does. Um, I'm pretty sure Will does. I'm, I'm positive we had this conversation when Halloween came out. Um, Dave does, obviously, as my best friend, he would know this about me. But I'm blunt. Um, and I love blunt people. And there's no... One who is more blunt in Hollywood right now than Jamie Lee Curtis. <clears throat> and she's just, I mean, first of all, she's just so iconic. Everything she does is iconic. Um, when she introduced um, Scream Queens, I forgot who asked her, but one of the magazines, um, probably Entertainment Weekly. Uh, but they asked her, you know, why are you doing a TV show? You know, you could you could have a movie, you know, you have a movie career or whatever. And she's like, well, I'm not booking as many movies and I need a paycheck. I was like, oh my god, you are flippin' brilliant, lady. Flippin' brilliant. So, um, so that's why I love her. She speaks her mind, she speaks her truth. Um, at the Golden Globes... She spoke her truth when she talked about um, not wanting to be photographed with the Fiji girl. She felt that um, if Fiji Water wanted her to endorse them or for her to appear in a picture with them, they needed to talk to her and pay her. Not have some model try to photobomb her. And again, you know, I just wonderful. It's been it, it it's been one of those I don't even know how to say it. Like it's just so great. Um so here we are. Um this week she um I shouldn't say this week, she was honored with a publicist hall of fame, or I'm not a publicist hall of fame, a lifetime achievement from the publicist union or whatever. <laughs> you could almost hear Will screaming at me if I had production notes, I would know this. Um, she she won the lifetime achievement award at the annual publicist awards luncheon, and this is what she had to say: "I believe in the freedom of the press." I believe that you have the right to ask me whatever you, whatever question you want to ask me. And it is a dance that we have... And it is a dance that we have been doing for a very long time. We have to figure it out. We dance it. We dance together and it is mutually beneficial... It is a mutually beneficial dance because this is show business. This is show off business. But it is a business and it is art and commerce coming together and it is a partnership. Anyone who says they disdain that portion of it is full of shit. They don't do press. They don't talk to the press until they have a movie coming out. They are fraudulent. They are fraudulent. The truth is, this is a fucking game. This is how it's played, and I am proud to play it with you. Okay, so... There is one part of this where I I have to call bullshit... Um, not that she won't answer any question, but there's a video of a reporter asking Jamie Lee Curtis if she had a penis or a vagina. And she goes off. I mean, she literally goes off on this reporter. Now, mind you, I don't blame her. I, I completely understand where she's coming from, and I actually agree with her. That it was an inappropriate question in front of kids. I, I forgot that, that part. She isn't. She's with children, and um, <clears throat> so I do think that that's an, that was an inappropriate question. But it's kind of unless she, you know, unless her view has evolved since that video, 
Which it could, honestly, it could have. Let's be real. Um, but that's my only problem with that. I agree with everything she said. The freedom of the press is very important to our democracy. Um, and this, listen, I tell everyone this. Um, Will and I have had a very lengthy discussion about writing and um, the, the sort. And I always treat writing like a business. Because to me it is. For me it is business. Um, more than the podcast, um, you know, I'm always talking about writing the companion books and I'm always telling you guys what I'm writing because this is my business. First of all, talking about what I'm writing is how I brand myself. Um, and it's also how I get word out about my book, whatever that project happens to be right now. Um, it would be love you to death and or crazy rich homos. Marketing is not always all about selling what you have. It's what you're working on. It's, you know, what's in the pipeline. It's about selling yourself. I could right now go out and talk about any number of projects, including John Gossip. And that's just what, you know, that's what I should be doing. I went to a networking event with Willem and my friend Natalie. And literally all I talked about was drunk gossip. You know, next time I go to one, I'll I'll switch it up and talk about love you to death. Or I'll talk about crazy rich homos, whatever I happen to be working on in the moment. But this is what I'm saying here. Like, you have to be able to talk about not only what you have coming out, but what you're working on, what you want to work on. You know, I can sit here and talk about myself. And I think that's what Jamie Lee Curtis is is really trying to say is, you know, back in the day, people would show up on talk shows to talk. Not to hawk, but just to talk to the host. And I kind of want to bring that back. Maybe I can. Maybe I can do that with with Drunk Gossip, um, with the vlog. But right now... I'm going to go and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, tonight's true crime story, the, um, well, not really the last one of the week because I'm, there's going to be a compilation episode tomorrow. Um, but, um, the last one for the, at least, you know, for the daily shows. I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Which actually kind of leads right into this crazy, crazy story. Like, this is such a crazy story that I might even forego writing script about. Or script. Oof. And see where my mind's at. I might forego writing an article about it and just write the damn book because it is such a fascinating story. Um... It It is kind of old school, but it's so... It, it's just one of those things... It's one of those cases where... It's so twisted and so mind-blowing that... Wow. Um, so there's a couple different threads here. Um, normally, I would break it up, but I'm not going to do that tonight. The first thread... Is a love triangle between... Do, do, do. Oh, why are you being a douchebag? Um, John, I'm trying to find the last name for you guys. Do, 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 do. Um, John, 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 uh, John Rutten, his wife, Sherry, uh, I don't think Sherry took his last name. I Sherry's last name is R- Romson. R- Rasmussen. Rasmussen. We're just gonna call her Sherry from here on out. And um, the third part of this story is Stephen Lazarus. Um. 
Yeah, so, sorry, I, like, I, I know there were a lot of pauses, I was trying to get the names right, because it's just one of those, those things where I, like, I, really, I feel like it's actually an important part of the whole story. Anyway, so John, Sherry, and Stephanie. John apparently dated both Sherry and Stephanie at the same time for, for a little while, though he claims that he and Stephanie were never very serious and they were just lovers. Stephanie, on the other hand, didn't quite feel that the same way. Um, so, John was a police, um, a police man. Sherry was a nurse, and Stephanie was also a cop, um, who rose through the ranks. So, in 1986... This love triangle kind of came to a head, and Sherry was killed. The police uh, that were investigating it cleared John right away. They, you know, because John was grief stricken, whatever, blah blah blah, and they said that it was a robbery, which didn't sit right with um, Nels Rossman. Who said that doesn't make sense? Why don't you look at the lady cop? And the police are like, no, it, it was definitely a robbery. Two Latin men have been robbing houses um, in this area. It, th- this is all happening in Los Angeles. Um, two Latin men have been robbing. That's that's what happened here. That's definitely what happened here. So then we're gonna move into the second thread now. We're all this evidence is collected. No one's charged with the murder ever. Well, for for many years, no one is charged with the murder because no one's really looking into it. It was two Latin men who killed her, right? Uh, so, what basically happens here is. The police look into it, and it gets kind of shelved. And then as the murder rate in Los Angeles starts to fall, the cold cases are kind of pushed again. And Nell, the father of Sherry, keeps saying, Hey, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Um, and he gets he goes on some TV shows and, you know, is really making up a big stink. And then evidence goes missing in the case. And it's like a big cliffhanger because why did this evidence go missing? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So then, the third thread kind of brings everything back around to the love triangle. Sometime after Sherry's death, John and Stephanie meet up in Hawaii. And... You know, no people can make assumptions about what happened there. Um, in all of the articles I've read on this, nothing implies that something happened, but I would venture a guess that it did. He's a widower. She's still hot for him. Eventually, she ended up marrying someone else and whatever. So, so they meet up and then the cops start looking at the case again. And one of the, part of the evidence I had to think of missing was there was a bite mark on Sherry after the fight. And the cops at the time were like, no, men bite. You know, it's not common, but it happens. So they... Well, part of the evidence that, um, that didn't go missing... It, they just couldn't find it, so they they searched through the um, evidence freezers, and they found an envelope with, with Rasmussen written on it. So they had to check the DNA. There was no matches, but they were like it definitely came from a woman. 
But, again, nothing really came of this revelation, and everything was shelved. Basically, the new theory was, it was still a robbery, but it was a man and a woman. And that's that's kind of where it left off for a very long time. And then, once again, the crime rate dropped, and these detectives were going through cold cases... And they were like, wait a minute. Something's not right here. Like, why did all this evidence go missing, whatever? So they look into this, and they start to piece together this whole story. So basically what happened was, Stephanie kept confronting and and tormenting Sherry trying to provoke her into leaving John because Stephanie wanted him back. And Sherry was in love with her husband and was like, no, like, not gonna happen, lady. Like, get over it. So after all this fighting and whatnot, there um, there was a big confrontation. Stephanie broke into the house. She went through the garage door. And instead of Stephanie coming down... Or, sorry, Sherry coming downstairs and catching the robbers, Stephanie went upstairs and surprised Sherry. Big fight ensued. Sherry tried to run downstairs to hit the panic button on her home security system. And she got shot twice. Stephanie decided to try to cover this up, make it look like a home invasion. And she would have gotten away with it too if she hadn't left finger, fingerprints and just really bad. And it, the, I mean, they, not fingerprints because she had armor for gloves, but like smudges of blood. And so the cops who ultimately solved the crime were like, this is really weird. Like, this looks like it was staged. And um, and basically after John was asked way back in the beginning of the investigation, John was asked to confirm or deny his relationship with Stephanie and he said, yeah, like she was an old flame, whatever, whatever. And then Mark down Stephanie Lazarus P.O. And the, for a time, they couldn't figure out what Peel meant, and then they figured it out. Peel meant police officer. And um, two of the detectives went to their commanding officer and were like, hey, we're investigating her. Should, you know, should we go to internal affairs? And they said, no, keep it confidential for now. So they kept it confidential. They, they stacked up the evidence. Then they took it to a higher officer who then turned it over to Internal Affairs Special Operations who actually was able to match the DNA um, between Stephanie and the bite mark on Sherry. The two detectives ended up questioning Stephanie where her story was ever-changing. It went from she didn't know... um, She didn't know John's wife, Sherry... And had never met her to... They were having a full-blown love triangle. And finally admitting that there was... Um, a confrontation between them. And, like, as she realized she was a suspect... She started getting really belligerent. Uh, and she tried to end the interview... But then she was arrested for the murder of Sherry... She was ultimately convicted uh, and sentenced to 27 years. And, I mean, that was just... Like I said, it's a mind-blowing story. This segment is going on 12 minutes, probably one of the longest ever. Just because there's so much to this case. Like I said, I might just skip the article and just go right to the book. Um, Anyways, I'm going to go and I will be right back. And I'm back. I'd be really remiss if we didn't have this conversation. Um, I saved it for after the true crime 
because hopefully you guys enjoyed the true crime enough to stay around and listen to me. Also, I know this is going to be an extra long episode. I'm very sorry, but I wanted to bring you the breaking Jesse Smollett story. Um, and we still have to get through R. Kelly. <laughs> so thank you guys for, for being patient and listening. And just being you. Um, we've, I've avoided talking about politics much, um, Bill would kill me for that long pause, but it was for dramatic effect. Um, I don't really like to, not that I don't like to talk about politics, it's part of my job to do that every day, but I don't like to espouse opinions on the gossip podcast because frankly it's a it's a little disquieting um I get really irritated when Ace from Blind Gossip does it we are all entitled to our opinions right or wrong and I want this to be a place where we can all kind of talk and you know not have the partisan fighting or whatever. So Republicans, I'm very sorry. I'm not going to bash you guys today, I promise. Um, but this is going to be an all-Democrat talk. So, you may, you may want to listen to hear what it has to be said. Maybe you want to skip to the next segment. That's up to you. Democrats, let's talk for a second. First of all, I'm a very big proponent of the movement right now that says whoever gets the Democratic nomination, we have to vote for it to get rid of you-know-who. I'm sure you all can figure out who I'm talking about. And and Republicans donuts. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, let's... Let's refocus here. So Bernie Sanders has officially declared that he is running for president. Which all of his, um, all of the voters who voted for him last time seem to be super duper excited about this. Except they're not. I mean, they are. He raised almost $6 million in less than 24 hours. That's That's amazing. But, um, he's, he's making some of the same mistakes he made last time. Um, and the polls do not show that he's, he's really changing the race at all. Um, Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris is still out front. Um, they're saying Joe Biden enters the fray. He will jump to the lead. Um... There's one, there's two particular uh, Democrat um, potential nominees that I want to focus on. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren was actually the one that they wanted to run. They, um, they wanted her to run against Hillary. I don't think she would have, I, I, I don't think anyone could have beat Hillary in 2016. Or, or 2015 when the primaries were actually held. Let's just be real about this. I think the the powers that be in the Democratic Party had already decided they wanted Hillary to be the nominee. It would have taken a force of Obama to get them to change their minds. When, uh, when Warren decided to step back, Bernie stepped in and, um, and ran. We all know what happened after that. But there are a couple things I think we're missing here. And I talk about this in Burnout. In my article, Burnout. First of all, Bernie Sanders would make a wonderful president. I truly, truly believe this. He's a great guy. I love his platform. And I actually agree with him. So when when I say these things, I'm not saying it out of malice or because I don't like him. I'm saying it because... Frankly, I think that these things need to be said. 
The first thing that needs to be said is he's not a Democrat. He made that known when he ran for the Senate. Uh, he ran for the he ran in the primary as a Democrat, declined the Democrats nomination and ran as an independent. Now he he's been asked to sign a um affidavit saying that he will run as a Democrat should he win the nomination here. But let us not forget that he is an independent. And therefore, I feel like he should be running as an independent, not as a Democrat. I think it's very disingenuous. And I think, frankly, that it should disqualify him from the Democratic primary. That being said, he can suck all the air out of the room. And it would be kind of fun to watch him and Trump go um, at each other. But... The other thing is, he and um, Elizabeth Warren have very similar platforms, and I, I can almost kind of see a Warren Sanders team up. Should um, one of them decide to give up, it could be Sanders Warren or Warren Sanders, because I I do believe that they're friends. I do believe that they get along. And while they don't agree on every single point, they agree on enough that they could make a partnership work. So, I, what I would watch for is when one of them starts to sink, probably Warren first, but I, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bernie also kind of gets off, on, off to a shaky start. Um... I would look for them to team up and announce that one or the other is going to be the VP pick. Because that's how they're going to shore everything up. And I'm going to shore things up by going and grabbing and drinking, coming right back with the R. Kelly story. And I'm back. So, we've been, the last couple months... We've been talking about R. Kelly and the sexual abuse claims that have dogged him for almost three decades. They finally come home to roost, and he has officially been indicted on four sexual misconduct um, counts. And each of them... I forgot how it went, but each of them, if he's found guilty on each of them, they say he could face up to 70 years in jail, assuming that the judge puts them concurrently instead of um, uh, this is uh, this is why I need production notes, according to William. Uh, and he's in, in this case, he's probably not wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. It's ten counts. He he has ten counts of sexual uh, misconduct against him. Each of them carries up to seven years. Um, and they said that if the if the judge does them consecutively, consecutively instead of concurrently, consecutively means he he would do seven years and then right after that seven years ended, he would start the next seven years. Um, consecutively means or concurrently means each day he's in there, he's in there for each of the charges that he has been found guilty of. Which, to be fair, he's not been found guilty yet. Um, this is all happening in Illinois, where the Jesse Smollett case is playing out. Um, Jesse, Jesse's attorneys are saying that the reason why they're going after his client is because there's a mayoral election coming up, and they're trying to make an example. I'm wondering if R. Kelly's going to try the same thing. Um, 
Insiders say that he was shell-shocked when he found out about the the charges that had been leveled against him and that he was ordered to surrender to the police. Um, from what I've read, from what I've heard, he did that without an issue. He flew up um, and turned himself in. He's currently in custody. Um, there will be a bill hearing tomorrow afternoon. Um, and it's, 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 it's expected that he will post bail. Um, the charges all, all involve him sleeping with um, someone under the age of 18. Except for one of the counts is really weird. I don't understand it. It's coming on, on another person uh, for sexual gratification. If that's a felony, let me tell you, there's a lot of guys that I've been with that are probably going to go to jail. And I just made myself sound like a whore. <laughs> but I, I don't understand that charge. Um, I'm not even sure why that's a thing. Uh, I'm going to look more into that one. We'll talk about it later when I figure it out. But of course, if you've been... Um, Listening and following the Crazy Days and Nights story the way he's been um, listening, uh, not listening to it, following it. He's saying that the way R. Kelly has gotten away with this for so long is because he had friends in very high places in Georgia. And I can almost kind of see that being true. Um, You know, because from all accounts... R. Kelly would go to, like, California or Florida or wherever, and he would always have them flown to Georgia. And there was never really any question about this. In fact, um, I don't know if you guys remember this from last year. There was um, the news broke that he was keeping these women hostage in his house. And there was, there was a ton of evidence of this. Including testimony from some of the girls. But he was never charged. So it is really weird that Georgia wouldn't charge him, but Illinois has. In any case, I'm glad that they are. I don't know why he's shell-shocked. I mean, I do know why he's shell-shocked in that case. But I think um, what these people are saying is more that he just... He believes that he's not guilty. I don't know if he's going to try and mount a defense of just saying that he didn't know that they were underage. Um, which is what Ryan Adams is trying to do. But that seems very disingenuous to me. Um, you know, especially if the... If what we heard about the uh, um, sex tape is true, and he was, you know, even if, let's say that girl is over the age of 18, or she is 18, the fact that he has this fetish for pretending like the girls are 14, um, fetishes are not enough to get someone convicted, but... What if that finish started because he was screwing around and raping 14-year-old girls? And I think that's where they're going with this. Um, each of the girls, it seemed like a multi-year thing. Um, uh, only one of the girls had one incident. The rest of them had... It was multi-year. Um, and it's just really weird. Like, the one... It, it, it's just such a weird, weird situation. Because... On one hand... He's such a... Celebrated musical act. And on the other, he's a pedophile. And the two don't have to be mutually exclusive, of course. Um, we found that out with Michael Jackson. He was he was tried for um, 
child molestation. He was acquitted on all charges in 97, I believe. Um, no, that's not right. But he was acquitted of all charges. I do, I do remember that much. Um, but we're, we're also learning more about what happened in those hours through the HBO documentary, Leaving Neverland, which is um, drawing its own controversy in the $100 million lawsuit from the Michael Jackson estate. I don't know if that's a fair comparison, um, Michael Jackson to R. Kelly, because we don't have all the facts in either of the cases. But I, th- I think when there's multiple people coming forward, which there has been for a long time against R. Kelly, there's, that has to be taken seriously. I've said it before and I'll say it again. So, just to wrap this up, R. Kelly has been indicted on 10 charges of sexual misconduct with a minor. Arraignment is... Arraignment and bail hearing is tomorrow. And... I think that's going to do it for me for this week. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Um, Tomorrow we're going to have our special um, drunk crime episode released please let me know what you think of it um if you want me to keep if you want the drunk crime to be part of our regular rotation of special segments or should i just do away with it all together um also on sunday is the oscars so look for our drunk awards mega episode i think last time i looked it was like four hours long so it's going to be just like the Oscars telecast. Um, so look for that on Sunday. Um, and again, thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I love each and every one of you. And until Monday, I'm lifting my martini glass and saying cheers.